Welcome in to episode 24 of Night Shift. Mike Stubbs along with Cal Grimard, your hosts as we lead up to uh, the first weekend of games past the OHL trade deadline. We'll touch on that. We'll touch on a couple games that are happening this weekend and bring on some special guests that we have talked to earlier on in the week, including uh, basically a conversation regarding the brand new season and which teams really loaded up and are ready to go for this late season run into the postseason. But we'll get to that in just a little bit. Kyle Grimard, Mike Stubbs, you can find us online at Stubbs980 with two Bs, at Kyle Grimard, G-R-I-M-A-R-D. You can find Night Shift on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, globalnews.ca has it up as well. And, you know, Mike, it was... uh, Pretty eventful weekend with with news and, and rumors taking place. Knights are getting ready for a couple more home games this weekend against the Guelph Storm. And then a big one against the Windsor Spitfires, who, of course, uh, loaded it up quite themselves, we'll get into. But, uh, Mike, how's the week been so far? You know what? The week has been good. The London Knights announced their 2023 Don Brankley Hall of Fame class. Three new members will be inducted on February the 8th when the London Knights take on the Kitchener Rangers. Dan Maloney, who we lost just a few years ago, represents the 1960s. Rick Green represents the 1970s. And Dennis Weidman, the 2000s. So they are going in and... In future podcasts, we will hear stories about Dan Maloney. We'll hear from Rick Green. We'll hear from Dennis Weidman. Dan Maloney was an absolute force in Major Junior and went on to be an absolute force in the NHL. Rick Green was selected first overall in the NHL entry draft after four years with the Knights that saw him win the Max Kaminsky Trophy as the best defenseman in the OHL and Dennis Weidman really started the Knights climb to the 2005 Memorial Cup championship. He was the first major acquisition that Mark and Dale Hunter made. They traded Chris Kelly and Dan Jansevsky to the Sudbury Wolves who had big championship aspirations. Dennis Weidman came back along with a couple of draft picks and that helped the London Knights to start that climb toward the team of the century. Dennis Weidman had aged out of the OHL by then, but was still such a big part of that in that team growing up in a big run the year before, all the way to game seven of the conference championship against the Guelph Storm. Weidman was so big in that game seven. I don't know. We don't have a minute count on him. It had to be 58 of the 60 that he was out there. Incredible. And a phenomenal player who went on to play in the National Hockey League and play in the All-Star game. So Dennis Weidman, Rick Green, and Dan Maloney, congratulations. And Dan Maloney's family, Rick Green and Dennis Weidman, will be in attendance on February 8th. Weidman will be there to work. He's a member of the Kitchener Rangers coaching staff when the Knights take on the Rangers that night. That is off into the future, but you mentioned it. At present, everybody's just trying to get their heads around, okay, who's on which team now? Because as much as the movement was maybe spread over even going back into the fall a little bit, there was a lot of movement, and we definitely have big-time contenders. The Peterborough Peets, they almost look like an American Hockey League team. The Ottawa 67s, they didn't touch any of their core, but they still add Pavel Minchikov on defense, and they had Logan Morrison up front. What does that mean? That means that the 67s, without moving a single player off their roster, they had a lot of draft picks, without moving a single player off their roster, they acquired the number two and the number three overall scorers 
in the OHL to add to a team that's already in first place overall. So those were big moves. And then in the West, you said it's Shane Wright and the Windsor Spitfires, and it's still essentially seven teams afloat in the Western Conference. The Kitchener Rangers still making moves up to the deadline to say, even though they're battling for a playoff spot right now, they're going for it. And then you've got the Sarnia Sting in the mix. You've got the London Knights in the mix. And then you've got teams like Flint and Saginaw and Owen Sound, who maybe didn't do a ton, but they're still they're still there. They're still going to be tough outs. This is this is going to be a challenging Western Conference as it usually is. Oh my gosh. And yeah, I mean, you know, Flint adding Nolan Dan to their roster. And yeah, when, when you go back, like I know the trade, you know, deadline, the days were this past Monday and Tuesday, but you go back to January 3rd and yes, Windsor already had made a move. They also acquired Brett Harrison, who we talked about a little bit earlier. They also went out and they got Jacob Holmes from Sudbury, uh, Tyler Savard to Barry, Danny Gioke in the kitchen. Like there was a, there were a lot of moves being made. And of course, London was involved. They acquired uh, the two Ryans from Hamilton, Ryan Humphrey, Winterton in exchange for Carson Lloyd, Luca Testa, and that Mississauga second round pick of 2026. But a lot of moves, a lot of, a lot of moving pieces are going to set up basically the, the back half of the season, which, you know, we'll get into involving the two games later on, but we've have a, we got a couple special guests joining us as well. Uh, Stubbs. I'm pretty excited about today. Definitely. And I want to take you back to a conversation that we had right after the OHL trade deadline had finished up. And it's with London Knights Associate General Manager Rob Simpson. The Knights made a couple of moves right before the deadline, but it was Ben Bajol going to Hamilton, and it was Nicholas Yearwood going to Sudbury. And you would wonder, okay, well, you know, why why would they make those moves? Well, Rob addresses that because in junior hockey, you don't get the name the best developmental league in the world in the Canadian Hockey League without finding ways to develop players. And if they're not going to be able to get to the spots they need to be at on your depth chart, maybe there are other places that they will be able to do that. And that's the kind of thing that's happened with those two deals with the London Knights. But we started off with Rob Simpson simply talking about the amount of time managers spend on their phone. You know, Kyle, when your phone goes off and it says, here's your screen time for this past week. And you look down, and you think, that can't be right. That's a long time. Well, we asked Rob what it would be like if managers were able to look down at their phones and figure out how much time they had spent talking to other managers around the league. <laughs> you just look at the number and shake your head. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, because you know that whatever percentage it gives you that you're on the phone, the other the part that's missing is probably the time you were sleeping. <laughs> and, it, <laughs> and you might have even woken up and taken a few. So it's... Uh, it's a hectic, busy time, and, and there's lots of conversations, some that result in, you know, improving your team, some that don't. But, you know, it's uh, it's definitely a fun time uh, of the year where, you know, you're just worrying about making your team as best, you know, as best as possible for a playoff run for us this year, uh, given our situation. So it's it's a lot of fun at this point. You made a big move last week in getting Ryan Winterton and Ryan Humphrey ahead of some of this, you know, last few days before the deadline movement. You made a couple of other moves yesterday. Can you tell us about the trade with Hamilton that sent Ben Bajol to the Bulldogs and the one with Sudbury that sent Nicholas Yearwood to the Wolves? Yeah, they were two trades that, you know, here with us and our philosophy is that we've got to put the players first and foremost and 
you know, with bringing in Ryan Winterton and Ryan Humphreys, it definitely shuffled some other players down in our lineup um, to some, you know, some spots where they weren't going to get as many minutes. So um, we definitely had conversations with all our players and where they were going to fit in and, and, you know, what they were looking for. And, and some players, we just knew that, you know, they needed a fresh start. They needed to be given an opportunity where, you know, they could get their OHL career going and, and start producing at the level that, you know, even ourselves, we believe they can, but, you know, they're just some other players have come in and played better to this point. And that's kind of what happened with Ben and, and Nick. And we both, we wanted to give them good places to go play. Obviously we have a history doing uh, trades with Hamilton and it's a great place to play under Matt Turek there, their general manager and the coaching staff. And, and Nick Yearwood actually has family up in Sudbury, so that worked out for him. And, you know, two two quality kids, and we wanted to make sure that, you know, they get an opportunity to showcase themselves and what they can do in the league. We're talking with London Knights Associate General Manager Rob Simpson. The OHL trade deadline has come, and it has gone. Rob, there was a lot of noise on Sunday. Let's call it that. There was a lot of noise. Social media can take things and go in a lot of directions, and it dealt with a potential Shane Wright trade to London. And there were some rumors that were circulated, and these things went off for anybody who followed junior hockey, that even included a player name. When we look at a situation like that, can you take us to how the team is feeling? Can you take us to that other side? Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's a real disappointing thing to see um, you know, as a manager in the league and I'm sure for the families, um, you know, when, when people in social media are putting out information that a lot of people take as factual and it's not built on anything factual at all. Um, you know, I just, with what you're talking about with the Oliver Bonk trade rumors, uh, not once did we, uh, want to put him in that trade option. Did we, you know, never said yes to it. And he was one of our players on our team that was untouchable um, from our side. Um, we did not want to have him in there. He's too important to our lineup now. You know, he plays over 20 minutes a night. Um, he plays penalty kill power play and is just a quality young man. And to see, you know, up in Sault Ste. Marie, for example, for him to have to pick up his phone and see something that is based on just rumors and people putting that under facts. I think that, you know, some of these people should be ashamed that they do that. I understand if you want to put it out and say, you know, a likely destination for this player is to go to London without players' names in there. I understand that. But as a 17-year-old kid to read that, I think these people that are putting those type of tweets out, if it was their own son, they would have a much different feel dealing with it Um than they do now just throwing it out there for likes and retweets and trying to uh, promote their own social media. So I think that was disappointing to see. And it's a much different scenario for these young men. Uh, they're not, they're not professionals. They're not, you know, 25 to 30 years old that understand, you know, when you're in the NHL, that it's a business, they're young kids that this is their life. And this is, there's more to things than, than hockey and trade rumors and, that's one thing I would like to be able to change if you could for these players is leave the names out of it um, because a lot of times when you see these, they're not built on facts. And I guess the one thing that fans can get caught up in is the sport itself. They're not going to meet any of these players and 
necessarily become acquaintances of theirs, become friends of theirs. So it's easy to say, oh, well, that's just a defenseman on a team, and this name goes in, and and you think of it almost like you're you're playing a video game or you're playing fantasy sports or something like that. It's not. You're right. These guys are reading that. They're they're reading everything that has their name attached to it. In the NHL, it's always the line of ah, I don't I don't read anything. But but people are going to find their name these days. It's going to pop up. Friends are going to text them and tell them. Yeah, and I think if they were in that situation, as their name is out there, and they love the places they were playing and love the people around them, they would understand and have probably a little bit more empathy for what they have to go through when you put something out in social media that has no factual basis at all. And, and, it, and hopefully it would, you know, we could change that, uh, especially with our league or younger players that have to deal with that um, situation. Cause I'm sure, you know, a few players got asked many times about, are they being traded and, and different things from family members or people. And it's just not, I, I just don't believe it's fair to them and, and not just our players, any players in the league personally. Yeah, no, that's tough. And we lose sight of the 16, 17, 18, and 19, and even 20-year-old age and just how young that actually is. A hundred percent. And there's a lot of things going on in their life, and that's just something that doesn't need to be added into. Uh, you know, wait until any kind of trades are done and then trade it that, you know, put it out or on social media if it's done. If it's not, then let's not speculate and put names in there, especially as you can see with this, you know, obviously with Shane right now going to to Windsor, everything that they speculated and put out there was false. Mm-hmm. Yeah, completely. It's yeah. not like a, a deal was close. And we no. can go back to the John Tavares trade to the London Knights. I think that was reported three different times with three different combinations of players. And in the end, you had some of those players whose names had been attached to it going back two, three days a week who weren't even in the deal. And then then you've got to all of a sudden try and figure that out. And if you're dealing with professionals, sure. If you're dealing with 16, 17, 18, 19, or 20-year-olds, yeah, it's different. Rob, thank you for talking with us about trade deadline. I hope managers are able to sleep after it's over and done with, and we'll look forward to what comes next. All right. Well, thanks for talking to me, Mike. That is Knights Associate General Manager Rob Simpson. And we even took just that little snippet where he is talking about junior age players and the rumors that turn into things that, you know, don't look like rumors. Everybody's a reporter. Everybody's a reporter. If you have a phone, you're a reporter. And so often you'll see somebody say, well, this isn't confirmed. And then the game of telephone takes on remember when you could say a word to somebody and then they'd say that word and you'd go around in a circle i think we used to do this in kindergarten and you get around to the other end and the word had completely changed yeah that kind of thing and so people are taking this and immediately saying oh no well if that person says it could be happening it is happening and then your phone starts blowing up and that's that's tough when you're 16, 17, 18, 19 years of age. So we took even just a, a little portion of what Rob Simpson had said, and it has over 20,000 views of people who have looked at it and commented on it. And so this is something that has been a conversation this week, and I'm glad it has been. It needed to be. Yeah, it really did. And, you know, I saw some of those rumors flying around. I was getting people reaching out to me, Mike, and asking if I knew of what was happening or how sure I was that 
Shane Wright's going to London and there were there were big heads upwards at big networks who were calling for it to happen. And then all of a sudden the next day, oh, it changed. Actually, so-and-so is is involved in this. And you're right. When you're including 17 and 18 year olds, it, you know, it it has a big impact on those guys, you know, when they're just going about. And we've talked about this on a few different occasions about how close the London Knights, this team is. They're a very tight-knit team. They have a great, you know, they have a great locker room presence. And you you don't want to mess with that. And, you know, some of the rumors out there were in the fact that Oliver Bonk was going to be included in a deal that was bringing Shane Wright to London. It was all but happening. And then they came out and was like, Oliver Bonk was never going to be moved from this team. So, yes, it goes to show, don't buy in all the rumors. I think you were the first one to actually tell me that, Mike. So uh, I took your word from it. And people were asking me. I just, I, I sat back and I said, until anything is actually official, I'm not saying anything. That's it. And that's that's the best way to do it. Because as much as people want to be first and this and that, well, let's make sure that it is happening. Because sometimes <laughs> deals will change at the last second, even among the people who are doing those deals, we talked about it on the last podcast, the John Tavares trade to London with Michael Delzato and Daryl Borden. And the fact that that was announced about three times and had combinations of players and, well, this is the deal that's coming. And it was announced by different reporters and it was always wrong. And then all of a sudden it did come through and you've got players who then had their name included and they weren't a part of the deal, may never have been a part of the deal. I'm glad the conversation has happened. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty happy as well. Another conversation, Mike, that we want to get into here is involving Terry Doyle of OHL Radio. And basically, you know, you guys go through some ins and outs on, you know, giving the league and giving us kind of an outlook on the remainder of the OHL season, setting up for teams that are really loading up, who are really going for it. And, you know, a lot of teams have made a lot of changes. Windsor's coming into London. London and Windsor have only played one time this season. It feels like Windsor's a completely different team now. They are. When you look at what the London Knights did in that game, they won it 6-1. And they were able to spread Windsor out. And the Knights were able to use their speed and move the puck. And with that, they they own that game. They really did. But you go back and you think, okay, if we use the same strategy anymore, it's not going to be the same because there are so many different players because of Brett Harrison being there, because of Shane Wright being there, Jacob Holmes now on defense. So Windsor has done an excellent job loading up. And so this becomes a measuring stick game and it follows a game against the Guelph storm. The Knights are back home for a couple things are spaced out. So they will feel a lot more rested this weekend than last weekend when they made that run through Saginaw and Sault Ste. Marie in less than 24 hours. And then they'd also played a game on Friday night against Hamilton. So a little more spaced out this weekend. So this is good that way, but let's remember the Guelph storm made things awfully tough on the London Knights the last time those two teams met the Knights ended up winning that one in overtime so as much as Guelph didn't load up that doesn't mean they aren't hard to beat they will protect the front of their net they are hoping that Braden Gillespie can be their goaltender of the future and there is there are comparisons you could make to a guy named Justin Nichols he just he seems a lot like Justin Nichols and Justin Nichols is a guy who was a later round pick he wasn't the biggest guy in the world 
and he led the Guelph Storm to the final of the Memorial Cup that was played in 2014 in London. So you don't have to be a big goalie. Brett Brochu has proven that. He's not a small goalie, but you don't have to be six foot three to do big things in the crease. And that is especially true in junior hockey. So Knights and Storm for the second time and short order, and then the Knights and the Spitfires. Look forward to those. And as we close out the podcast, Let's hear from Terry Doyle from OHL Radio. He's the TV voice of the Sarnia Sting. He's been following junior hockey for so many years. And what we did was we broke down the teams that had made moves and how they look going forward. Give us an idea first off, because you know the Sarnia Sting better than anybody. Give us an idea of what you see there and then whether Peterborough is the big challenger, the big dog on the block after everything they've done. It's certainly very interesting. Sarnia went into the deadline wanting an impact defenseman, not necessarily a scoring defenseman, but a you know a, a top two defenseman uh, to really make an impact, especially in the back end. And they were looking for a centerman. Uh, there was sort of the two big things: Luca Del Belbaluz comes over from Mississauga, Ethan Del Mastro comes over from Mississauga. Check, check. They got those two things done uh, at the deadline. So that was the big key for them. And Godreau, the Sting goalie, part of Team Canada as well. So add it all up. And yeah, I think it's going to be a very interesting matchup between these two teams. And I think maybe a little bit of a measuring stick between them as well to sort of see where they stand after the deadline. I think in both cases, you always wonder what chemistry is going to be like. You bring in a lot of big names. And I always say rather than uh, building a team, you assemble a team. I know it sounds like a synonym, but I think building is that growing over a few years. Assembling is grabbing the parts and putting them together. And both teams could now be accused of that a little bit. And we've seen over the years, sometimes teams uh, don't necessarily pan out when it's an assembled team. Yeah, you've got to figure out who's the go-to and who's maybe willing to take on another role. It's almost like that world junior feel where you've got all of this talent and yet you've got a number of different roles to fill. Who's going to do it? Well, look at the oddity of Peterborough. They were going very well. They could pick up Brennan Othman. They did not do well once they picked up Brennan Othman. They had a three and seven uh, mark with Othman. He goes to World Juniors. All of a sudden, they turn it around and they're winning again. You know, I'm not saying that they're putting it on one player one way or the other, but still, it just kind of shows that sometimes it's not an automatic that you pick up a big name player like that and you make a big run for it. Or it's an automatic. Sometimes, you know, you and I go back thinking of that Saginaw team way back from like 06, 07, where they had an AHL roster and they went out in the first round. They weren't even home ice in the uh, opening round of the playoffs. That year, they didn't have good goaltending and they just didn't seem to put it together in terms of the chemistry, yet they were picking up star players from teams all over the Ontario Hockey League that year. So I think you look at that where it's just what's the right fit, what comes together, versus sometimes a team that doesn't have as much talent, but they've grown together and they've really found their roles, whether it's being that first-line winger, whether it's being that fourth-line center, and anything in between. So I think that's what we're going to see over the next while. Plus, let's be honest, the Team Canada guys are pretty fatigued right now. They got last weekend off, but there's still that case where they played a lot of hockey over the last while, and where's their head at right now as they try to get back into the swing of things. Terry Doyle joining us from OHL Radio and the television voice of the Sarnia Sting as we kind of look at where things have shaken out. The Ottawa 67s have been really good all year. They didn't make a lot of moves, but they still brought in the second leading scorer in the OHL. Oh, and the third leading scorer in the OHL. How much better are they? Oh, I think it's huge. And I think there's an example of a team that has been grown together over the last little while and you're not bringing in four and five and six players bringing in two 
Okay, so you bring in a centerman and you bring in a defenseman who likes to also act like a forward sometimes too, be that hybrid. That's where the rest of the team will have to get used to having a player that can play that role. And I think once you, you know, Pavel Mitchikov's an excellent player, and Logan Morrison, of course, showed it last year being the OHL playoff MVP. I think that's huge for the Ottawa 67s. And I think they're in an excellent position. They've had good goaltending all year from Extinoso. They've just been a very strong team that now had to add a couple bodies if nothing else, to keep up with everybody else and leave no stone unturned and did not move anybody off the roster. No young players went, no veterans went, nobody went. It was just a whole bunch of, you're looking at about 15 draft picks moved. Well, teams will figure that out later. Draft picks are like poker chips. I give you some now, and then when I'm selling, I get some back. When it comes time for the actual draft to happen, usually the picks come out in the wash in the grand scheme of things. Usually teams aren't too shorthanded when it comes to picks. They figure all that out because with the picks now as forward as uh, 2026, between now and then, you're a buyer now, you're likely a seller between now and then, and you uh, recoup a lot of those picks. So yeah, I like Ottawa's situation. You're right, picking up two big names, not upsetting the rest of the chemistry on the team, because that's the other thing that happens as well. Sometimes there's a move that's made. Well, the player that leaves, maybe everybody in the dressing room was a big fan of him. Maybe he was a part of the leadership group. And I've looked around at some teams, like looking at some teams going towards the deadline. And it was like, yeah, they could upgrade at a position, but that would have involved losing that player. And if they lost that player, that would be a big hit. And we all see teams where there's certain guys, they're not the star, but they're that glue guy. There's that guy that makes a huge difference. And usually that's that guy who makes a huge difference in the playoffs, scores an important goal as a third line forward, chips in with that important goal. And he's a leader. He's someone who uh, the teammates really look up to. That's a factor where sometimes you can make a difference at the deadline by holding on to players as well. Full credit to Windsor. I think with losing Wyatt Johnston and the turnover they had, I don't think any of us expected Windsor to be as good as they've been this season. They've had a little bit of a hiccup over the last little while. Their goaltending hasn't been as strong as it was. That was a big difference last season. Found, you know, it hasn't been awful by any means, but just maybe not excelling as much. But, you know, They've hit maybe a little bit of a bump in the road, but Mark Savard, their coach, just seems to have those guys going. And there it can be a pretty scrappy group in Windsor, and you get guys chipping in from all over the lineup. But now you have Shane Wright and Matt Maggio. That's a nice little combination up front for the Windsor Spitfires. They've certainly made some other moves as well. And I think, you know, you look at the way they've come together, I think that's a group that uh, would, will be a tough out in the playoffs, no matter who they play, as long as they can get some solid goaltending. You know, they ran into Sarnia last week, and Sarnia put it to them in a blowout game last Friday night. And that's obviously something where Windsor wanted to go back to the drawing board. And maybe went, okay, fine, let's go get Shane Wright and uh, add two things from that standpoint. But it just seems to be a group in Windsor that even at the start of the year, you thought, okay, how are they doing this? But they just keep on doing it. And I think that's going to be a team that, uh, you know, they'll play a physical game if they need to. They'll play a skilled game if they need to. And Mark Savard just seems to find that right lane for all of his guys. Before we get your thoughts on the London Knights, the Kitchener Rangers did something starting a few weeks ago that seemed strange. At that point, they were in, I think it was eighth place. They eventually moved up to seventh. They're now spending some time in ninth place. So right around that, will they or won't they make the playoffs? And they start adding players and saying they think what that they have what it takes to take a run at this. Do you think they do? I that's they've got to find some consistency. It feels like they've been spinning their wheels all season, but yet they have an old enough roster that you kind of had to do something. You had to go one way or the other. It was either unloaded or go for it. There was no point in standing pat, and they decided, okay, we have a good enough team we think to go for it. But yeah, the Rangers it just feels like you know, one step forward, one step back all season, just sort of the, like the cartoon character, the wheels are going, but they're not going anywhere. And I think that's where the Rangers now it's, 
you know, it's now or never. And I think over the next couple of weeks, we'll find out, you know, will the real Kitchener Rangers please stand up? And I think we've all been waiting for that all season. They had the rough start. Then they had things going, but it feels like win three, lose three, win three, lose three. And that's why they're sitting in that spot. And that's a scary spot when you load up and potentially still might not even get home ice in the playoffs if you make the playoffs. Western Conference still feels seven teams deep. Only Erie and Sault Ste. Marie and Guelph made moves with the eye on next year. Maybe you could say Saginaw, I guess, in, in that mix, but they're probably still good enough to hang around in that seven-team mix. Final question, Terry, being here in London, where do you think the London Knights fit into the pecking order? Well, I think they're in a good situation where, once again, that's a group that's grown together. We've sort of used that as a theme here. They had two players from Hamilton that, of course, grew together there in Hamilton. And they come in and, of course, join with George Diak, who has been with the Knights all season. It was all three of them part of that Hamilton group that won the championship. And they knew how to get through a championship group. And you talk to those Hamilton guys. They were pretty banged up going through the playoffs, but they knew that playoff hockey was a different style of hockey. And they knew that you talked to a lot of those guys in Hamilton they were pretty banged up after round one. Peterborough, they swept Peterborough, yet Peterborough gave them a physical battle and they still kept on going. And I think that really showed them, you know, the, what it takes to win in the playoffs. So you bring that over to a London group. Of course, goaltending is a key. The Knights have goaltending. We know that. Check that box. And in the playoffs, you have to have that. And that's going to be a big factor as well. We saw that, of course, Brett Roche was banged up last year in the first round of the playoffs. And that made a difference with the upset by the Rangers. But you know what, the one thing I will say, Dale Hunter, you know, no matter what kind of group he has, he gets the best out of his group. If he's got the the big stars, as you know, he'll roll five forwards on the power play. He doesn't have quite the big stars, he gets things done in other ways, whether it's uh, clogging things up a little bit, whether it's sound defensive play, and that's the one thing with Dale, with the homework he does and the video he does with the rest of the coaching staff, with Dylan and everyone else, I think that's the key that, you know what, the Knights are always going to be a factor here, and I like where they picked up you know, made a couple of moves, but didn't really upset the overall look of the team that's already had success this year. Terry, thank you for the insight. Enjoy everything that is to come over the next few months. Anytime. That's Terry Doyle from OHL Radio, also the TV voice of the Sarnia Sting. Well, Kyle, can't wait to see the measuring stick that will be Sunday. Can't wait to see how some of these other games, the schedule has been friendly this weekend for putting teams head to head and allowing us to see who's better, who's best, at least in a really small sample. So we'll talk about it on episode 25. Yep. We'll be looking forward to it. The Knights are looking to get back on a winning streak and they've only won 21 of their last 25, Mike. So I don't know, <laughs> starting to slip a little bit. <laughs> It's been impressive. And now, now the team is the team. So now everybody moves forward and some teams are trying to make their room come together and figure out who's going to be the guy and who's going to fit in on the power play. The Knights, they're just going to keep moving forward. They're going to keep doing it. Should be a lot of fun. We'll see you uh, both games. You can listen to on 980 CFPL. You can listen, catch it up on all the podcasts here on Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, uh, Mike Stubbs, and Kyle Grimard here. We will see you next week and go, let's go.